In the holy name of Jesus, amen. This is the day we celebrate St. Michael and all the angels. We don't know everything about the angels, and most of what we do know, we learn from their names. St. Michael is a warrior. You heard in the epistle for today. He will fight the Bible's very last battle. His name is a question. Michael means who is like God? And in that battle, the question will be answered. There is no one like God. And in that battle, God will have the final say. Satan will be vanquished. And God will reign alone forever. St. Gabriel is a messenger. He came to Daniel and to Zecharias, and then to the Blessed Virgin Mother, to St. Mary asking her to bear the child of God. Gabriel means the strength of God, which makes sense because the flesh and blood of Jesus Christ eventually hung upon the cross that was born at Christmas from St. Mary. That flesh and blood is the power that overcomes every darkness and sin and hatred and evil in our world. St. Raphael is a healer. He touched Tobit's eyes and let that blind man see. That makes sense. Raphael means God's remedy. And Lucifer, the old evil foe, Satan, the devil, his name means the bright one, the shining one, and he was beautiful. It is a very odd thing to say, especially in church, but it is true. Satan once was very, very beautiful. Beautiful actually beyond what we can say. We have a lifetime of sacred art warning us that Satan is all horns and claws and hooves and bat wings and fangs. But before he wore the red suit for Halloween, Satan was a prince among the angels, radiant and intelligent, cultured and affable, current, passionate, charming, and alluring. He was magnetic. He was the beautiful one. Satan was the shining one. So beauty can be a dangerous thing if you and I begin deciding who is beautiful and who is not. That is one sin that Jesus addresses in the gospel for today. Satan's sin was pretty basic. Satan decided that he was more beautiful than God and so he was worthy of more admiration and praise and honor and obedience than God. Our sins are a bit boring. They follow exactly the same tact. We decide that we are more beautiful, more beautiful than God, more beautiful than other people. We decide that we deserve more admiration and more power, more praise than others, even God himself, and in that we sin. 
And that is what Jesus is fighting in the gospel appointed for this day, when he pulls a child up onto his lap and he says to all the folks gathered round, this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. That is what Jesus means when he says, woe to you if you shame the humble. Woe to you if you despise the poor and the weak and the sick. Woe to you if you think you are better and more beautiful than the last, the little, the least, the lost, and the dead. Woe to you. That is the way of the fall in Eden. That is the way of Satan. And that was the pride that Jesus saw in Satan before he saw Satan fall from heaven like a bolt of lightning. Now, this morning, we sit in a beautiful place. We are surrounded by beautiful families. We have a particularly beautiful choir singing for us this morning. And this place, whether you can see it or not, is a beautiful place filled with angels and archangels. This place, this wonderful place, each week you go from here and we beg you, we beg you to go out and live beautiful lives. So how does all of that fit together? It's very simple, actually, and this is the point. We do not need to fear beauty because real beauty is objective. Real beauty is not subjective. Real beauty is not a matter of taste. Real beauty is objective. In the Old Testament, beauty is a technical term for the objective presence of God on the altar. It is the term for when fire consumes the sacrifice during the liturgy. That beauty is a matter of God's holy presence among his people. Beauty means that God is here, God is present, that God loves you, that God is for you and he's not against you. Beauty means that God has come with power and with healing. Beauty means that God has brought the remedy for your sin. Beauty means that God is here and he is your salvation. And that, you see, is the universal message of every angel and archangel. That God is for you physically in the fire. God is for you visibly in the smoke. God is for you incarnationally in the flesh and blood of Jesus Christ. God is here for you beautifully in the Eucharist sacramentally. Especially, especially in the flesh and blood of Jesus. That's why the icon is front and center. And that is why this crucifixion is the most beautiful thing on earth. When the body and blood, born of Mary, is hung upon the cross as our atonement, that is the most beautiful thing that ever happened. And anyone who tries to elbow God out of the way and work against that beauty, disciples who are scheming to gain power, older folks who would tempt younger folks to sin, your hand, your foot, your eye when they've gone bad, and anyone who despises the little ones, the least, the humble ones, the last, the lost, the dead. Woe to him, says Jesus, woe to her, Woe to him and to her as much as to Lucifer. Now, on the bright side, this is the reason that each one of you has a guardian angel. 
an angel who, as Jesus says in verse 10, has one eye always on you and one eye always on the Heavenly Father. We heard about this already in the psalm, Psalm 91:11, where it says, God will give his angels charge of you. His angels will care for you wherever you go. They will guard all your ways. Which is a remarkable beauty because our world is a dangerous place. So much temptation. And we need so much protection. The scriptures tell us that the devil is still on the prowl, seeking whom he may devour. And we know that just as we have a guardian angel, we also have the demons, the bad angels, who are always this close to us, always sizing us up, always looking for our weaknesses, always whispering temptation into our ears. They can smell our fear, and they tempt us with impostors. They tempt us with bent truth. They tempt us with stolen honor. They tempt us with shiny but small g-gods. But the good angels, your guardian angel and mine, their job is to clear a path for us, to sweep away the temptation, the evil, and the danger from here all the way back to Eden. If only we will have it. So here it is, another good gift given by God, if only we will have it. And all I can say to you is, have it. This wonderful, beautiful thing is here again for you this morning. Pure beauty from the cross for you right now, forgiveness, life, and salvation in the living voice of Jesus, in your baptism, and especially in the Holy Eucharist. It's why the icon hangs so close to the cross. Because the very same thing, once born of Mary, the very same thing hung on the cross is now about to be put to your tongue, to be present for you, this fire, this joy, this light, present to you the way it was to Isaiah in chapter 6 when the angel took the coal and touched his lips and purified him. This beautiful healing thing that will now pull you up into the swirl of the divine liturgy that will expose you to the beauty of angels, archangels, and all the company of heaven. Where Christ is on his throne right now, surrounded by all of them. That's the joy of the day. That's the beauty of the day. That is why the Eucharist is the center of life. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit here for little ones like us. In the holy name of Jesus, amen.